Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Whatever time you're listening to this, please welcome to the Market Color Podcast. This is a weekly podcast that is dedicated to providing our listeners with a broad overview of the global financial markets, including a special focus on the Kenyan markets. And in order to deliver on this objective, we have structured this podcast to begin with an overview of the global markets, so as to give you a big picture perspective of the global economy. This is then followed by the Kenyan segment, where we review the performance of the domestic markets with a view to covering all the major asset classes. And finally, we wrap up the podcast by addressing the topical issue for that week so as to bring you up to speed with the latest financial headlines. Ladies and gentlemen, this here is episode number 92. And as mentioned previously, to celebrate the first anniversary of the Market Color podcast, I am in the process of writing a book that is focused on the financial markets and fundamental analysis. And this will help our listeners to develop a better understanding of the financial markets and in particular, how economic data influences asset prices. A quick progress update. The publisher has now commenced on a comprehensive edit of the book, which they have indicated will take about 30 days which takes us to the end of this month. And therefore, please keep it locked right here and I will continue to keep you posted on the progress. And now to this week's podcast where we are reviewing the performance of the global markets during the fourth week of 2024. And that is from Monday the 22nd to Friday the 26th of January. And without further ado, this is your host, Jamuhuri, and together, let's dive right in. We kick it off in the United States, where on Thursday, the Commerce Department reported that the U.S. economy grew at a much faster pace in the final three months of 2023, as the United States avoided a recession that many forecasters had thought was inevitable. According to data adjusted for seasonality and inflation, the gross domestic product, which is a measure of all the goods and services produced within the country, increased at a blistering annual rate of 3.3% in the fourth quarter of 2023, but was still significantly lower than the third quarter growth rate of 4.9%. And staying in the United States, the PCE inflation data for December was released on Friday and showed that the rate of price increases cooled off towards the end of 2023. The Fed's favorite gauge for inflation, that is the core personal consumption expenditures price index, which excludes food and energy prices, increased by 2.9% on an annual basis vis-a-vis market expectations for an increase of 3% and compared to a much higher rate 
of 3.2% in November. This was the lowest annual rate of inflation since March 2021. However, including volatile food and energy prices, the headline rate of inflation held steady at 2.6%. Whilst inflation remains elevated and way above the Fed's target level of 2%, it is clearly trending lower and giving the green light for the Fed to start cutting interest rates later this year. And across the Atlantic, on Thursday, the European Central Bank decided to leave its benchmark interest rate unchanged and reiterated that policy rates will be set at a sufficiently restrictive level and for as long as is necessary in order to bring inflation down to its 2% target rate. This was the third consecutive policy meeting where the central bank opted to hold its benchmark rate steady and this was after the last rate hike to 4% that was in September 2023. Despite a declining trend in underlying inflation, the European Central Bank President Christine Lagarde said that it was premature to discuss rate cuts and that the governing council would continue to be data-dependent rather than fixated on the calendar. And to the Far East, in line with market expectations, at its first policy meeting for the year, the Bank of Japan retained its ultra-loose monetary policy and indicated that the prospects of sustaining the 2% inflation target were increasing gradually. According to the policy statement, the Bank of Japan unanimously decided to keep its benchmark interest rate at negative 0.1% and stuck to its yield curve control policy that keeps the upper limit yield for the 10-year Japanese bond at 1%. Uh, Moving over to the U.S. stock market, despite Friday's mixed session, all the major averages recorded a winning week as the latest economic data added to the positive picture of the U.S. economy. For the week, the broad market index, that is S&P 500, advanced around 1.1% to 4,890 whilst the tech-heavy Nasdaq Composite climbed about 0.9% to 15,455, and the blue-chip Dow Jones Industrial Average gained approximately 0.7% to close the week at 38,109, which was an all-time closing high for the Dow. All the three major averages are now more than 100% above their lowest point recorded during the COVID pandemic in 2020. And in the U.S. bond market, the Treasury yield curve was a little changed on Friday as investors assessed yet another encouraging inflation report, which suggested that the Federal Reserve could start cutting rates later this year. Investors are closely monitoring economic data for hints as to when the Fed will begin cutting interest rates. 
According to the CME FedWatch tool, markets are currently pricing in a 46% chance that the central bank will cut rates by 25 basis points in March. The yield on the benchmark 10-year Treasury bond was up by less than 1 basis point at 4.14%, and the yield on the policy-sensitive 2-year Treasury note was higher by about 4 basis points at 4.35%. For your information, bond yields and prices move in opposite direction, and 1 basis point is equal to 0.01%. In the commodity market, the price of U.S. crude closed out its best week in the past four months as positive economic news from both the United States and China raised hopes for increased demand going forward. The U.S. benchmark West Texas Intermediate Crude posted its best week since September and was up by 6.27% to settle at $78 a barrel. Meanwhile, the global benchmark Brent crude increased by 6.35% for the week and eventually came to a close at $83.55 a barrel. Both benchmarks have now gained more than 8% so far this year. Meanwhile, Marban oil, which Kenya imports, rose to $80.72 per barrel, up from $78.47 the previous week. In the precious metals market, the price of gold was steady on Friday as investors shifted their focus to the Federal Reserve's policy meeting that is scheduled for this coming week in order to obtain a better outlook for interest rates. Markets widely expect the Fed to leave interest rates unchanged, but have scaled back expectations for a rate cut in March. The underlying theme is that interest rates will come down in 2024, and this continues to support the gold market. And the reason for that is because lower interest rates decrease the opportunity cost of holding this non-yielding asset. The price of spot gold was down by 0.1% to close the week at $2,017 per ounce. We now change scene to the Kenyan financial markets and as is the norm, we start by looking at the domestic foreign exchange market where the shilling unfortunately continued to depreciate versus the major international currencies as well as the regional currencies. And according to data obtained from the central bank website, the official exchange rate for the US dollar was quoted at 160.80 which was broadly flat compared to the 160.79 that was recorded the previous week. However, in the interbank market, commercial banks were selling the US dollar at between 163 shillings on the lower side to above 166 shillings on the higher side. Meanwhile, the sterling pound was priced at 205.32 
and the euro was valued at 175.69. And on the regional front, one Kenya shilling was changing hands for 23.73 Ugandan shillings and 15.67 Tanzanian shillings. And to the Rwandese franc, it was posted at 7.89. In the past year, that is 2023, the Kenya shilling depreciated by about 27% versus the US dollar. And given this current trend, I expect that the shilling will continue to depreciate for the foreseeable future. And this is mainly due to the country's excessive national debt, which now stands at above 70% of the gross domestic product and consumes about 65% of total revenue collections. And what that means is that for every one shilling that the Kenya Revenue Authority collects, 65 cents will go towards debt repayment. On foreign exchange reserves, during the past week, Kenya's usable foreign exchange reserves increased by a massive $203 million dollars to $7.017 billion, which is equivalent to 3.75 months of import cover. However, this current level of reserves is still in breach of the central bank's statutory requirement to endeavor to maintain at least four months of import cover. The increase in reserves could be attributed to last week's approval of $684 million by the International Monetary Fund. However, in spite of the continuous funding received from both the World Bank and the IMF, Kenya's foreign exchange reserves remain under intense pressure, and this is mainly due to the increased cost of servicing our external debt obligations which has pushed the country to the precipice of a sovereign debt default. On Kenya's current account deficit, this was estimated to have narrowed down from 5% in 2022 to 3.9% of the gross domestic product in 2023. The decrease in the deficit was attributed to lower imports of fuel oil resulting from subdued domestic demand, and this was against a backdrop of resilient inflows of remittances from the diaspora. In the money markets, the liquidity situation in the interbank market remained relatively tight during the week, as the average interbank rate remained stable but high at 13.76%. The excess reserves held by commercial banks in relation to the 4.25% cash reserve requirement increased from 19.6 billion shillings the previous week to 26.9 billion shillings. Meanwhile, open market operations remained active as the average interbank rate was stable at 13.76 and the average value that was traded in the interbank market decreased from 20.6 billion shillings the previous week to 14.9 billion shillings. In the government securities market, the weekly Treasury bill auction was held on Thursday, the 25th of January, 
And the central bank received bids totaling 24.4 billion shillings, against an advertised amount of 24 billion shillings, representing a performance rate of about 102%. Interest rates on all the three tenors increased marginally as the bulk of the bids, totaling about 16.5 billion shillings, were concentrated at the short end of the yield curve, where the 91-day rate inched up by 5.5 basis points to 16.29%, whilst the 182-day rate rose by 7.4 basis points to 16.37%, and the 364-day rate ticked up by 3 basis points to settle at 16.52%. For your information, one basis point is equivalent to 0.01% and therefore 100 basis points is equal to one percentage point. Please note that as interest rates continue to rise, investors remain focused at the short end of the yield curve because they can easily reinvest their funds at a higher rate every 91 days. In the primary bond market, the Central Bank of Kenya has published the prospectus for its February bond issue and is looking to issue an amortized infrastructure bond with a duration of 8.5 years that matures on the 9th of August 2032. The Central Bank is looking to raise a whopping 70 billion shillings for the stated purpose of tongue-in-cheek funding of infrastructure projects, and the central bank has invited bids for this bond, whose terms and conditions are as follows. The coupon rate for this bond will be market-determined, which means that the coupon rate will be determined by investors, and that is calculated as a weighted average rate of accepted bids. On taxation, given that this is an infrastructure bond, the interest and will be tax-free as provided for under the Income Tax Act. Please note that this is an amortized bond, which means that a certain percentage of the bond will be redeemed before the maturity date. For more information on the redemption structure, please refer to the bond prospectus. This bond is now open for sale until Wednesday, the 14th of February, and the value date for this bond is Monday, the 19th of February. And as is the norm with infrastructure bonds, we expect this issuance to be heavily oversubscribed. In the secondary bond market, there was increased trading activity as the turnover in the domestic bond market increased by 60% during the past week. And in the international markets, the yields on Kenya's eurobonds recorded a mixed performance with the yield on the 10-year eurobond that matures in June 2024 remaining relatively unchanged at 14 At the Nairobi Securities Exchange, the equities market was on a downward trajectory, with the NASI declining the most by 3.2%, whilst the NSC20, the NSC25, and the NSC10 
declined by 1.2%, 2.4%, and 2.7% respectively. The market's performance was driven by losses recorded by large-cap stocks such as East African breweries, Safaricom, and Kenya Commercial Bank, which declined by 11.4%, 6.1%, and 6% respectively. These losses were, however, mitigated by gains recorded by other large-cap stocks such as Bamburi, Cooperative Bank, and Equity Bank, which increased by 7.8%, 5.7%, and 1.6% respectively. And in related news, East African breweries cut its interim dividend by 73% to just one shilling per share after posting a 22% decline in after-tax profits to 6.7 billion shillings. And this was for the first half of the year to December 2023. Despite the decline in profits, there was a 13.8% increase in gross sales to 119 billion shillings. However, this was eroded by high operating costs, increased debt expenses, as well as a weakening Kenya shilling. On Kenya's national debt, the latest data from the central bank shows that Kenya's national debt as of January 2024 stood at 10.7 trillion shillings, which is in breach of the country's debt ceiling limit of 10 trillion shillings. The national debt was divided between domestic debt, which stood at 5.03 trillion shillings, and foreign external debt that is valued at $38.27 billion, which is equivalent to 5.66 trillion shillings. Up next is the topical issue for this week. And this week, we are looking at the liquidity situation in the interbank market. According to the International Monetary Fund, about half of Kenyan banks were accessing liquidity support from the central bank as at September last year. And this was mainly due to depressed bond prices in the secondary market. The IMF country report shows that 20 of the country's 39 licensed banks were accessing the central bank's discount window, which is the regulator's facility as a lender of last resort and is used to support banks when liquidity is tight in the interbank market. However, relative to the prudential requirements, only a small percentage of banks have actual liquidity deficiencies and these accounted for only 3% of total banking assets. The tight liquidity conditions can be explained by the continued rise in interest rates, which has caused bond prices to fall sharply. And as a result, trading activity in the secondary bond market has dried up as banks avoid outright sales, which could crystallize their paper losses. According to the IMF, since mid-October, banks have accessed a total of 1.36 trillion shillings via the repo market, which is where they use the bond holdings to secure funding from the central bank. Due to the rise in non-performing loans, banks are now opting to increase their investment in government securities. 
However, commercial banks would be well advised to consider what happened in Ghana last year when the government defaulted on its external debt and restructured its domestic debt. For your information, commercial banks are the largest lender to the government and currently hold about 2.3 trillion shillings in government securities, which accounts for about 46% of the total domestic debt. And on that note, we come to the end of this week's podcast. Thank you for listening and supporting the Market Color podcast. And I hope that you found it to be useful and informative. And if so, please share it with a friend and help to spread the word around. I really do appreciate your assistance in this effort. And for your information, the Market Color Podcast is now available on all the major hosting directories. That is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, as well as Amazon Music. Please consider subscribing so that you can be notified every time I publish a new episode. And if you have any ideas or feedback on how we can improve this podcast, please feel free to reach me on the following email address. That is jamuhurig at gmail.com. Jamuhuri spelled J-A-M-U-H-U-R-I. Once again, thank you for your continued support and I look forward to interacting with you again next week. And in the meantime, please do have yourselves a blessed and fantastic week ahead. And remember, there is something in you that is greater than your circumstances. Think about it. Thank you and God bless.